award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, we are excited to be here at Teleco Hatchery once again with uh, John Ellis. He's our Teleco Hatchery manager, and Travis Scott. He's the Region 3 Streams coordinator, three, uh, Region 3 Streams manager, and, and uh, just glad to be here, glad to have them with us, and Miss Mimi Barnes, our communications outreach uh, guru for Region 3. Uh, <laughs> Happy to be here. Lady with all the answers, right? <laughs> if only. Yeah. Uh, glad to have her, and thanks, her, thanks to her for setting this up. Uh, as always, she does a great job, and, and uh, we're just glad to be here. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you for having us. Uh, Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. So uh, we got the brook trout facility here behind us where they've been raising some brook trout and a lot of great things going on here. Mm -hmm. and, uh, Amazing. So uh, let's just kick it off first. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, yourselves and uh, you know, a little bit about what's going on here. And then we'll dive into some more information on trout and, and teleco and all that good stuff. So whoever wants to kick it off. Well, you guys, I mean, it's, uh, you guys know me. I'm John Ellis. I'm teleco hatchery manager. Um, run the facility here and uh, work under Travis. We kind of work together to make sure that the streams remain healthy and get adequate numbers of fish and work through our, you know, our streams management and tailwater management. Yeah. Travis, what, I guess you're maybe uh, John's boss. In John's, some case. John's boss, and, uh, but he's, he's easy to work with. Crack the whip. <laughs> I, uh, uh, the regional uh, rivers and streams fisheries biologist, and so we've got about 24 counties in the region, and we manage all the rivers and streams, and of course that means a lot of trout streams that we, we have uh, management responsibilities for, and so that's why we, we uh, work closely with, with John and the staff here at Teleco to, to make sure our trout uh, program is accomplishing our goals. Mm-hmm. So you got rainbow trout, you got brown trout, and then you have the native brook trout facility here. Mm -hmm. uh, right. A lot of work going on back here, and it's amazing to see what we're what we're growing. Yeah, we've got rainbows, we've got a uh, brown trout, we've actually got um, some albino rainbow trout here, and then we're starting back up with our southern Appalachian brook trout re restoration project. And the southern Appalachian brook trout, you know, is the only trout native here to Tennessee, and so mm -hmm. we're working uh, to try to restore it throughout its historic range here in Tennessee, and that's the purpose of the building. That's a that's a success story, right there. I mean, the number of years we've been working on these guys. What what? It's well, I've been at least ten or more years that we've been. We we that I can uh, remember. This facility was originally built in the early 90s and was operated for a couple of years and then due to some issues it was um, kind of put on the back burner but in 2011 we really started focusing more on uh, working with this facility to produce brook trout for restoration efforts and of course we had a, a big effort on Sycamore Creek here and now we're expanding to, to other regions. Cool, cool. So, so we've got down here to talk, talk about the Trail Fork Creek. So tell us about the Trail Fork Creek. It's it's a tributary to the French Broad River. It's on, it's in the North Cherokee, and uh, we're working with region some of our Region Four biologists. Um, they collected. They've been doing some work on Trail Fork as far as removing uh, the non-native rainbows in Trail Fork Creek, mm -hmm. and um, it's a there's a barrier that will prevent any more of those uh, rainbows from moving into the Trail Fork. But it's around, I think, five kilometers of stream that we're going to be able to restore the native Southern Appalachian brook trout. Wow. Talk about that relationship between the two trout and what does what do you, what do you mean by barrier? Yeah, it's a 
probably is it's a waterfall that will prevent the rainbows from moving upstream into the area where we're going to put the brook trout. And okay. what happens is the rainbows can outcompete the native brook trout. And that's what we've seen in some other streams. And so um, oftentimes you have to remove those first. And so that work has been done. And so they're ready to put some more brook trout in. And they actually went to... Uh, some creeks in that same watershed. They went to Brown Gap Creek and Deep Gap Creek and Middle Prong of Gulf Creek, um, and they got some fish. Those that's uh, streams that are kind of originate in the Cherokee, but they also flow through the Martha Sunquist State Forest there. And so we collected uh, fish from all three of those streams, and that's what we have in the building now. And we've been spawning them this fall, and we've got eggs that are incubating and should be hatching in the next uh, two to three weeks. We hope. So I'm going to get ahead of us here sure. and just say, um, why why collect? Uh, fish from that area. Why? Why can't we just take brook trout from anywhere? What's What's important about the genetics? Right. Um, you know, there's there's two different strains of brook trout. There's a northern strain and a southern strain. And the southern strain is native to our area. Kind of the dividing line is around the New River in Virginia. South of that, the southern strain would have been native. And we've been doing a lot of genetics testing on our fish, all of our populations, and we've gotten some preliminary results and and so we want to make sure we're going back with pure southern strain and throughout the years there have been some northern strain fish stocked in some of our wild trout waters and so we wanted to make sure that these fish were 100 percent southern strain on one hand the other thing is we're looking at improving genetic diversity and that's why we're collecting from uh, multiple sources multiple stream sources so we can improve the genetic diversity over time some of these fish have been isolated in uh, headwater streams and there hasn't been a lot of um, new genetics coming in and so essentially we have um, populations where all the fish are, are probably closely related mm. and so that's not good for long-term survivability of that population so we're looking to improve their chances by increasing that genetic diversity very cool and something we're happy the average angler doesn't have to think about that mm. we're happy that you are on staff to do yeah. that that work <laughs> yeah we just hope there's a nice population that will persist for an extended period of time for people to go catch yeah, yeah that's awesome and when you end up in a situation like he's talking about when you have limited gene influence you know it's in a small area and you've basically have interbreeding like that i mean those fish are much more susceptible to disease and such so by increasing the genetic diversity you're providing a you know a fish that's much more capable of weathering hmm. you know rough situations that be biological or you know weather related yeah, yeah cool stuff yeah that's <laughs> Very, awesome um so so there you are doing work clear up um well you're doing the work here but but it, the this hatchery is far reaching so talk mm -hmm. to us about the reach of this hatchery it's not just the the river next to us right now Right. No, I mean, the reach of the hatchery just continues to expand, and that's something that Travis and I have talked quite a bit about. Um, I don't know if there's a definitive answer to that because we continue to be able to produce fish, quality fish, that can go throughout the entire state. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then that's something that's always been our goal. Um, we've changed our management procedures and overall have been very successful in being able to produce large fish that have gone, you know, throughout the state. It's yeah. not, and we, we do... You know, we're still able to provide an excellent fisher here in Teleco, Sitico, uh, the Polk County streams that we service and the Hiawassee River and such. But, mm. you know, with some of the plans that Travis has laid in and implemented, you know, we have quality fish going, you know, places they've never gone before out of Teleco. Wow. And that's, you know, we're really proud of that. Yeah. Yeah, we've, we've worked to 
expand our reach there and we're providing you know some trophy fish for our winter trout fisheries across the state we, we provide them for some of the tailwaters across the state and we've um, we're, we've We've really expanded that this year. We're going to have a lot more of these trophy fish to incorporate into our different fisheries. So it's very exciting. And we've had a lot of success getting in retired brood fish from you know federal hatcheries and even producing our own trophies here and um, getting them up to size. And we can add significant weight and increase their health substantially before they're released. You just end up with a lot better resource. So closer to home here... Um we're going to talk to some folks later about um, some of the great fisheries that takes place and some of the great angling opportunities, but um, close to home, what are some of the things taking place as far as stocking? and? Well, we've been able to secure a, a larger number of trophy fish that we're going to continue to you know, keep here in the hatchery and increase in size. Those fish will be allocated to different tailwaters and streams you know throughout the state um, we have a significant portion that go into the Hiawassee we have a significant amount that are going into the delayed harvest here well and the Hiawassee that we mm -hmm. discussed earlier as well as Caney um, you know other rivers such as that. Yeah. Wow. Caney Fork River or Dale Hollow tailwater um, we'll be able to utilize these fish like I said in the winter trout uh, program um, which is just almost here yeah yeah and, and if folks want to find out information uh, uh tnwildlife.org um, um, and we have that stocking schedule mm -hmm. yes um, and they can find that mm -hmm. that winter trout stocking schedule on, on the website yeah and there's a new uh, speaking of the website there's a new uh, trout stream uh, forecast uh, thing so a little map that you can find these bodies of waters and it's got some tips and tricks there you know and what's good to catch and good time of year yeah yeah, yeah. we've we've worked um to kind of produce those fishing forecasts for our, our larger tailwaters across the state, the, the trout tailwaters. Um, it's got some very valuable information, tips and tactics, and a brief description of, of what to expect there. Very um, nice. And we hope maybe to expand that beyond that um, in, in the coming, coming year. So as well as, I mean, you talk about these fish are going to different bodies of water and different tailwaters and things like that. Are, are we helping other our other hatcheries out with these fish too? Do some of these fish go to other hatcheries in our in our system? And oh yeah, all of our hatcheries work work closely together to, to make sure that we're getting um, the fish to the places where we need them to provide quality angling across the state. Mm -hmm. And and so there's, um, you know, we we use proper precautions because we don't want to be spreading potentially spreading diseases from one facility to the other. But but yeah, we get fish from Dale Hollow. We send fish. To to Flintville Hatchery. Mm. Uh, we work closely with Buffalo Springs on some stuff and so all of our hatcheries kind of work together to make sure we're getting fish where they need to go and, and the right size uh, fish for those different projects. And we may be split by regions but we're one agency and and you mentioned that you know with the the trail fork creek that's a region four stream uh, up in that area so we're working closely with the different regions and and making things happen. Certainly. So that's good to see. Uh, we uh, we're a team here, so uh, let's give a shout out to the to the employees, uh, and I'll let I'll let Mimi do this because she promised she would do this. So go ahead. Casey and Jessica are here, and yep. Rob. I said Rob's off today, but um, but Wilson Tanksley, ironically, his last name's Tanksley, and he is a, a long distance hauler for us he with is. all those. And he we is. know he listens to the podcast. We're so grateful for their hard work. Um, talk about the the few employees that you have here, and. Uh, you're basically farming. Well, we have over here behind us Jessica Matoy and Casey Osborne, and uh, they're really invaluable to our operation up here. They're 
fully capable of doing anything that we do here and are you know fully responsible for the facility and run it on their own from time to time and you know, being isolated like we are and on the work schedule that we have you that's unavoidable that you will be up here at times by yourself and, and someone has to be here every day uh, more or less yeah I and mean, it's something that we guard i mean security at hatcheries is something that's become more of an you know into the eye of the public lately as some of the events that have happened in past years with mm -hmm. you know the obvious you know people doing malicious things but mm -hmm. no we we always have one someone here and um you know those two girls are they're unbelievable you can count them for anything um we have wilson who is our long haul driver he um will take off and you know he'll deliver fish not only throughout region three but you know throughout the entire state he's an absolute workhorse uh, rob thur is our one of our senior members of staff up here he's been here for um over i think over 20 years over over 25 yeah, yeah. wow good organizational knowledge there <laughs> uh, we, we've got it we couldn't do um you know being able to expand and some of the things we talked about and not really truly define you know what all we service has come through advancements in the, the hatchery and you know streams management and a lot of it's come through not just new technology and new approaches to hatchery management but through the dedication of the employees we have here there's not any way you could do it without them yeah you speak you talk about security uh, is there a, a security measure that you have to set in place for wildlife messing with the fish? Jessica. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you worry about people coming in and, and maybe vandalizing and things like that. But If anybody wants to mess with Jessica, then they have to want it awful bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we do have issues with, with different wildlife. I mean, everything likes to eat trout, it seems like. So we occasionally have a river otter that might want to get in the raceway or a great blue heron. And we've actually had some bald eagles swoop down and, wow. and grab a fish and head wow. out so we incorporate some netting and fencing and to try to limit uh, their access as well and that's one of the things we've gone to this year we're currently replacing all of our netting with a new design that we've came up with is we'll actually slide down and basically lock over the top of each raceway so it should prevent a lot of that hmm. yeah that's good yeah it so really as far as predation goes i mean we do have some animals you know that are coming in obviously trying to get fish but it's not as significant as you'd think so the hatchery is open to the public tell us those it hours is, um, we've kind of changed the hours uh, mm -hmm. right now through the winter we're closed on the weekends and so we're always closed on thursdays it allows us to take care of some of the hatchery work that has mm -hmm. to be done that's not safe to do with the public present mm -hmm. such as moving fish around and things like that um the best way to keep up with the hatchery hours is either to check the website or to call up here. It's uh, We typically are open 9 to 3 throughout the week, uh, closed on weekends right now, but when the summer rolls around, uh, we'll be open 9 to 3, 6 days a week. We're always closed on Thursdays. Okay. Put you on the spot. What's the phone number if they want to call? 423-253-2661. Okay. And our website's tmwildlife.org. You know, hours and things are there. So, uh, And that's that there's an answering machine that'll pick up usually and and there's usually a, a kind of a it'll have the hours and it'll have a if we're, it's in the stocking season it'll explain uh, our stocking what we did that week and awesome. uh, keep people informed on that it's a good source for like you know if we've stocked green cove pond what are you know what's going on at the time it's a good source of information and that information is available on the website as well mm -hmm. um that's being updated uh, i think at least weekly with uh the most recent trout stockings um, right i believe uh, that's about every friday that that goes yeah. yes goes yes i think on. he tries to update it every friday all the stockings for that week and there is you know unique situations sometimes especially this type of year 
when you have weather um, coming in that we will have to close for. I mean, we try to be as open as we can to the public, but we've really tried to concentrate on producing a quality fish and focusing more on the science side of things. So it's, you know, we're trying to split the difference there. We're, you know, always an open facility when we can be, but at the exact same time, we're putting a lot of focus into the science of improving the fishing throughout the state. Yep. And weather plays a big factor up here. It can change. It really does. It changes fast. I mean, last week we had ice storms. Today we're in short sleeve shirts. It's just one of those places. And that's what makes it fun, you know, and the challenges of it. And that's what makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. So one of the things you've uh, mentioned a few times is the broodstock. And you've talked about that science. Um, Tell us about the evaluation taking place to choose the broodstock for reproduction. Well, the broodstock, the only thing that we have here as far as broodstock goes for reproduction are the southern Appalachian brook trout that were collected and just brought in. Um, What we have done with those right now um, is basically just trying to put some size on them and ramp them up for next year. I think we expect some success from the spawning this year. I think next year will be our bigger year, but you know, mm. in the hatchery building itself, I mean, it's a small building, but like I mentioned earlier, I mean, it's very well on its way to becoming state of art. Um, we've been able to acquire chiller systems that's going to be able to keep the water temperature cold even in times of extreme heat. Um, we're going to thinking about trying to, well, we're not thinking, we're going to develop a recirculating system that'll allow us to actually increase the temperature and promote growth when the water is extremely cold. And Mm -hmm. then we've also looked into some new things like gas infusion technologies that'll raise the dissolved oxygen levels up. So basically, I think when everything here is all said and done, as long as we can have water in that building, we should be able to have fish that not only survive, but thrive. Wow. And there's something special about that water, isn't it it, uh, flowing from... Everything here is coming in from natural streams in the area. You have water coming in from Sycamore Creek, Teleco River, and um, Pheasant Branch. Okay, awesome. If I can speak a little more about our, our broodstock the, on the Southern Appalachian brook trout, we're we're still looking at some of our genetics data that we collected from all of our populations, and we're evaluating that and trying to find the best brood source for some work that we've got planned on the Sitico Creek drainage here in the South Cherokee. It's in Monroe County. Um, the Sitico Creek drainage is a priority watershed for the uh, U.S. National Forest, and it's also uh, a a, uh, in a wilderness area and so we're looking we've done some preliminary work this year as far as monitoring temperatures and um, evaluating uh, what type of trout are present in that stream and uh, we, we've got our our basics down and we're ready to go back with some fish in the upper reaches of North Fork of Sitico Creek and so we're going to be um, working over the coming months to determine where we want to get those brood fish from and we'll that's the our goal next year is we're going to have fish in this facility for for a couple of different streams to work on restoration efforts that's awesome yeah we're expanding we're planning on expanding to right now we're running two tanks in there hopefully by this time next year we'll have four and then this uh, new gas infusion technology and in you know cooperation with the recirculating system and the chillers and it should be something so what um what can one tank hold i mean what what when you say one tank what does that mean well i mean it's a trough actually i mean i don't know if i could give you an exact number on the capacity of it it's a there's you know in hatchery work there's a little bit of art and science so i mean it's just one of those things that you get in there and and kind of fill out um in one of these round tanks behind us like i mentioned earlier we propagated um albino rainbow trout for the first time ever and i think at one point in time we had upwards of six to eight hundred fish aside yeah and i would say that'd be a reasonable number would you yeah we on the on our brood fish we're usually targeting around 
uh, 50 fish total, 25 pairs, male and female, for our, our brood stock on our brook trout. Uh, if we can get those numbers, sometimes the populations uh, won't allow that. But but that's our target on on collecting brood. Uh, as far as fingerlings, we've had up to uh, 3,000 fingerlings in there, and that's going to vary as they get bigger. You're going to have to spread them out into more tanks, um, and, and also on your water quality. And that's why we're making some improvements with mm -hmm. the gas infusion, the chillers, and the recirculating pumps. That will all improve our capacity, and, and so that'll help as we uh, have more and more fish in there. And then at what point will they be reintroduced uh, back into the creeks and waterways? The fish that we spawn this fall, uh, we'll uh, raise those uh, fry up until we're, our target would be sometime in May. By the end of May, they have those back in the stream. That fast. Yes, yes. Um, you know, we, we would um, feed them over uh, once they hatch and, and start swimming up. We'll start feeding them and put some size onto them. And ideally, we're going to have them in better size and better condition than they would be in the wild. Wow. Uh, because we're, we're in this controlled environment. And so we hope to have those back in the water as fingerlings in the spring, late spring, early summer. And But the brood fish we have, we'll keep them for another year. And we'll be able to put uh, considerably more size on them. And that increases their fecundity. They'll have more eggs, they'll have more milk, and then we'll, be, we'll have more fingerlings for the next year. Oh. And so it's going to be a multi-year project on Trail Fork. And the same with Sitico when we start down that road. And the goal there is to collect some uh, uh, broodstock next uh, fall to spawn for Sitico Creek. Happy anglers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as the quality of the fish and the health of them improve in there, we'll see, like you said, better results in our spawning time. And that's going that coincides with our developments and newly implemented technology in the building i think that we've got some really good things ahead of us it sounds like it yeah. sounds like it's already there but yeah. you know better things to come it, it's I really think, it's wow, an exciting time because it seems like that just kind of out of nowhere there's been some recent developments in technology that's really going to benefit what we do oh yeah thanks and for staying on top of that well i mean it's <laughs> it's fun I mean, it really is i mean that's if you're a part of doing this is enjoying it and solving problems like that is what we do. Uh, I see that. The technology is changing, but you're still using some of these older raceways too, <laughs> well, and, these, and these circular pools. I was I was learning earlier that these were built in in 1930s. The, the thing about 30s, it is, yeah. I mean, they were. Those are some of the original pools. Travis actually, when he was the manager here, is the one that got those up and running. Um, we're getting ready to hopefully have another one fired up, and we should be able to outsource you know quality dissolved oxygen to these pools um. but there's absolutely nothing wrong with them i mean they are a perfect place to raise big fish and that's what we use them for yeah it's cool it's awesome to see the technology changing also been able to utilize what's already here and yeah you're kind of yeah. getting a little bit of something brand new that's cutting edge and unbelievable and then it works just coincides perfectly with what's always been done mm -hmm. all right well let's see what else we got here um the events. What events are being held around this area and that we're involved in? We talked about the hatcheries open, but then there's also some special events happening nearby too. Yeah, you do all this amazing stocking in the area and the delayed harvest. Um, and that's a great draw for mm -hmm. anglers at any time. But but then on top of it all, <laughs> yeah. you're providing these um, events and well, opportunities. Well, the delayed harvest is it's something that's just grown right before our eyes. I mean, it's really amazing. When you come up and down this road, even in the middle of the week, cold weather, it doesn't matter. You're going to see a significant representation of fly fishermen and spin fishermen. Mm -hmm. I mean, people that are coming up here and enjoying mm -hmm. the delayed harvest. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we have that, and that's been extremely successful. But, no, we do a lot of uh, we veterans work. We do at least two Project Healing Waters uh, events a year. One of them is a pond event. The other one is actually a stream event here on Teleco River. And both of those have just become outstanding. Um, the two guys here that were here earlier, Caleb and uh, Cody, they're both active participants of that. And so is Travis. They all serve as guides. Mark mm -hmm. Thurman does as well. Um, it's probably in my opinion, one of the most rewarding events that we have. Um, at the exact same time, in June, we'll have our, you know, annual kids event over free fishing weekend, and it's grown, you know, every year. Hmm. It's just getting better and better and better. And the thing about it is it's in all of these events, I mean, it gives us a unique opportunity to reach out to, you know, the future of fishing or people that have found, you know, basically a a therapeutic route to something then traumatic in their life through fishing mm -hmm. but at the exact same time it's an open resource so when these guys are done or the children are done then you know the other fishermen come in and take advantage of it too which is a win-win there's no it downside is. to it and and the people here going back to the staff i mean jessica works relentlessly on our children's event um, everybody comes together really really good uh, for all of our veterans event mm -hmm. it's it's amazing it's not a it seems like it would be a complicated thing to do but it it's just very natural because so many people jump in to help out uh, so was it may of 2019 we joined you that um for the dedication of the moment yeah, of freedom pier absolutely uh, tell us a little bit about that i mean well, another great addition really to the, area. the person you know to talk to most about be with mark thurman was integral to that but uh we uh you know we worked worked hard got it done um it's a handicap accessible spot for people that have mobility issues can have a true stream fishing experience mm -hmm. with it being right here outside of the hatchery um, it's not hard to manage and um, it's one thing that I've been very surprised about is I mean that's always been a pretty popular fishing spot out there and you know adding that pier there and kind of making it where you know it's specifically used by people that need it when they are here we've had very absolutely none actually conflict with it people have been very respectful oh, it's worked great. out very 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 well and i've seen it's not something that you see limited use of it's used frequently that's fantastic yeah, it's used frequently as you all expected and one of the things <laughs> that one of the you know one of the neatest things was um i mean you guys are, might be familiar with zeke Hembry. Mm -hmm. he's a pretty awesome little dude shout out to zeke yeah, he is. <laughs> zeke pretty kid. much gets into everything you know but at our kids event this year zeke caught the biggest fish of the entire event off the moment of freedom pier wow that's yeah. great and so that was that was really and he good. was here for the dedication and, and he was, he was, was the first for the dedication did the first cast and then he came back at the kids event and caught the biggest fish that's so, awesome yeah that dude's on fire he he's a great kid and uh, he's he's been able to take advantage of a lot of our efforts you know for those folks that are wheelchair bound and nothing yeah. stops him man yeah yeah i really encourage folks come visit the area come fish in this area come visit the hatchery just come experience it i mean there's so many things to do in teleco yeah. i mean you don't have to be a fisherman to enjoy it but we like it when you are <laughs> <laughs> and there's and and they're not here and they're not expecting this but there's a lot of places cabins to rent and, and places to stay places to camp but, you know come check it out teleco is pretty cool it's a cool area absolutely really and you can get involved with some of these um, these outfitters and things in the area or come uh, just visit right the down the road here at green cove i mean they have cabins and rooms available uh, that are right on the river yeah. wow. year-round well i have to say you know travis john we so appreciate your dedication ah. your dedication to good science that's making this fishery mm -hmm. uh, expand uh, not just here as we learn but across the state and providing for anglers 
get out there, uh, feel those tight lines. No, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it and to be a part of a, a team that thinks progressively and allows me to do the things that we're capable of doing. I mean, it's a, it truly is, it's working with each other. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank you, Mimi. My pleasure. And uh, thank you all. Thank you all for watching. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, keep coming back. And remember, tnwildlife.org. It's a great place to stay up to, up to date and connected with us. And uh, we'll see you next time on Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for tuning in. Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.